All right, guys, we're live. Um, let's send the messages out that we're live on Facebook. Day is dying in the West. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yes, Sam. <laughs> I wanted to finish it, but it was higher than like a week, so I just didn't have this stuff. Did you find for to do song service in the rest of the week? Well, I'm sorry, nice. We can hear you singing, though. <laughs> Hey guys, it's good to see you all. Um, before we get started, let's have a quick word of prayer, then we'll do some introductions for those who don't know who we are, and then we'll go into we'll go into our program. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for um, the time that we've got to be together and to study more about reconciliation and also about forgiveness. God, I ask that each of us would take something away from what we are about to study and the discussions that we're going to have. Um, and I pray, God, that your character would just be revealed to us and that we'd have a real desire to walk closely with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for being here. Um, before we continue with our discussion presentation, I just want everyone to introduce your name, where you're from, where your home church, or something like that. Starting with Nisa. Hey, hey. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Nisa and I'm from Doncaster Church. I was baptized in Penderford Church and I feel like I should say that um, because my heart is still there in Penderford. Um, yeah, that's who I am. Cool. Next. <laughs> Hi, I'm Melissa. Um, I was baptised at Windsor Street Church and I currently live in London, but waiting out the coronavirus excitement in Tamworth. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nyson. I am a member of Hells Owen Central Church in Birmingham. Born and raised in Zimbabwe, baptised in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sam. Um, Wolverhampton, <clears throat> Wolverhampton Wensfield Church. Um, always a privilege to be here. Not like I've been here before, but it's good to see you anyway. <laughs> okay, guys, we well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, I know we did originally announce that we were going to be going live on YouTube. Unfortunately, we had some problems with going on YouTube. Some people reckon maybe it's because they're limiting the bandwidth because everyone's working at home. But for whatever reason, we, we, we tried several times with several accounts and several internet connections to go on YouTube, but we couldn't. So we're here on Facebook. Uh, we hope you're able to join us via Facebook instead of YouTube. We'll adjust the posters um, for the rest of the week if we switch over here permanently. Um, but we may try and go back to YouTube, we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so we trust you're doing well and the Youth Week of Prayer readings as we go this week. I think ironically they're called the Embrace. Mm. Has to be mentioned. <laughs> in this time of uh, social distancing and <laughs> lack of physical contact and we're not supposed to oh i shouldn't even touch in my face we're not supposed to be touching uh. faces we're not supposed to be touching <laughs> together um but anyway uh we can still dream and imagine what an embrace is like in these times when we are socially distant from one another mm. um the week of prayer reading for today was based on the, the title was the words uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm. And two terms, we're going to try and unpack those terms throughout, throughout this evening, forgiveness and reconciliation. What's the difference between them? What are some of the similarities? Um, can you do one without the other, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, the reading, if, if any, if you guys have read it, those who are watching online, it brought up several Bible texts towards the end. And I want to just maybe have a look at some of those Bible texts before we go into some questions that we're going to um, look at. And some of the illustrations that brought up at the end was the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which is you know, going back to the very beginning. I think, you know, when you're studying the Bible, an important principle is, is uh, the principle of the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And, and what's the first time forgiveness was given in the Bible? We find that in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, the reading brings up verses 6 and 8, 6, 7 and 8, and also verse 15. It's a story of Adam and Eve. Eve, Adam, they both eat the apple. And uh, 
or not, actually not the apple, they both eat the fruit. And one thing, something that they shouldn't have done, they shouldn't have eaten uh, the fruit from the, uh, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the penalty for that was the penalty of death. And so God came to find them. Let me just turn there in my Bible, Genesis chapter 3. And verse 6, Genesis 3, verse 6. The Bible says, The woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit and did eat, and gave to her husband, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. The first time there's sin and they know they've sinned. They shouldn't have sinned. The Bible says they hide from the presence of the Lord. It's still mm. that we do today, even after we sin and we need forgiveness. We, the place where we should go straight away is the place where we're so reluctant to go. And we see Adam and Eve doing that all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Um, verse 9, the Bible says the Lord looked for them and said, where are you? And the Bible says that they said they hid. And then in verse 15 is the first promise that we find of the coming Messiah, where Jesus says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's a prophecy of the Messiah that would mm. come, that would bring this to use the terms of the lesson, reconciliation between God and man. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It will bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The prophecy that Satan would get destroyed, the prophecy that Jesus would die, and the prophecy that this coming together, this reconciliation between God and man would, be, would take place at the cross. And when you think about Jesus, he, he, had, he agreed to be the solution to the problem all the way back then. The, less, uh, the, the, the reading says he agreed back then. I would argue that he actually agreed before even the creation of man because the provision for sin was made before man was made. And so even before Adam and Eve were created, Jesus says, well, if it all goes, you know, it all messes up, I'll, I'll, I will, I'll pay the price and I'll agree to go and be the one that brings humanity and divinity back together. There's a text in Revelation 13, verse 8, where it says that the Lamb, who is Jesus, was slain from the foundation or the beginning of the world. Jesus died or was killed, it says, at the very beginning of the world. We know he didn't die then. He died at Calvary. So why does it mean when it says he, he was killed or he was slain at the foundation of the world? I believe it's meaning that he, he agreed to accept penalty for sin for our sins all the way at the beginning and so he was essentially you know that was his penalty that was his his destiny and he was living with that destiny over his head for four thousand or however many thousand years until uh calvary was there until calvary came and so <clears throat> Jesus is the one who brings God and man back together by dying for us. And, you know, as we go throughout this, this uh, discussion tonight, what does it mean to be reconciled to God by Jesus? How, can, how does Jesus bring these two parties, um, humanity and divinity, back together? Um, Let's read one more text before we kind of go into a couple of questions. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, which is a text that comes up throughout these readings throughout this week. So it's a text we need to get uh, familiar with, and we'll probably unpack it several times throughout this week. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18. Familiar text to many of us. It says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then verse 18, which we often don't read because we often just stop at verse 17, says, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. There's that kind of that formula. All things are of God and he has reconciled us, humanity, to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us, it says, the ministry of reconciliation. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. What does it mean that we have a ministry of reconciliation? 
And what does it mean that we are reconciled to God by Jesus? How can we, how, do, how did Jesus do this? So I just want to maybe throw any, any thoughts on, on, on these passages, any thoughts on these questions? I think for me, um, I think once you've experienced being forgiven, it's quite a humbling experience, especially when you're the one that's been the perpetrator, that's done something wrong. So once you kind of appreciated that, that feeling and that experience, it's then something that, it's then something that we're called to then provide others the opportunity to experience that as well even when it's difficult, um, especially considering some of the things that we've done personally, um, however grave they may have been towards someone, um, where there's been a rift in a relationship or a friendship, when that's then reunited, we're then called to then extend that experience to others. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, just, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Let me just out a bit more, me too, okay. Pardon? Sorry? I was saying, question, what does it mean to be reconciled through someone else? What's another word for that? We could, what, what's another word we could use for that? To be reconciled through someone else? Like mediation. Medi mediator. When you've got someone who's going like an in-between person between two parties, mediating between the two. Is, mm. it, is that what you yeah, yeah, I think so. Mediation is a good word. Um, I think another word we sometimes use in, in, in the Bible and also in you know, human terms is someone to intercede. You're the one who kind of stands in the middle. Mm. So you've got reconciliation, mediation, intercession um, between the two. Yeah. I mean, you could probably like another simple way of putting it as well is the fact that um, the, the idea of reconciliation, it gives us the idea that there are two parties who are further apart than they should be. Um, and so Jesus essentially is acting as a bridge to help us to get back to God, which we could not cross that gap without him. So mm. it's almost like a bridge. Mm. Which without Jesus is impossible for us to do. Mm. Mm. I also think that reconciliation indicates that something's been broken and needs to be repaired or restored or brought back together. So it, yeah, it makes me think about the bringing back together of something. Hmm. And I guess just thinking, you know, I was thinking about the reading like you, with Adam and Eve and how they were able to be in the presence of God. Then, you know, you, you skip down to Exodus where Moses asked God, you know, can I show me your glory? And then God's like, no one can see my face and live. So there's like a gap, um, a rift where humanity and, and, and God can't, there's a, there's a chasm basically caused by sin mm. to the point nobody can see God and live. And then God himself comes down, Jesus Christ, and sort of bridges the gap, which I just think is, you know, if somebody's wronged me, am I always so quickly to be the person to step down, to go out of my way to do the reconciling? And it's very humbling, I think, as Melissa said, once you know, you've experienced forgiveness yourself, either from somebody else, or when you, you realize God has forgiven you, the kind of onus is kind of on you to share the experience that you had with other people. You kind of have to do it. You have to. Hmm. And maybe just bouncing off as well on what Sam was saying is the idea that reconciliation, at least when it comes to God, it's something that we experience rather than something that we accomplish. Because mm. even when you look at um, with us, what Sam was talking about, how it's difficult for us to reconcile ourselves with other people, because even then it takes humility. But we see that when it comes to Adam and Eve, the, um, the debt was even paid, or at least, you know, Ellen White talks about how as soon as, before there was sin, or, and as soon as there was sin, there was already a savior. So when God was coming, he was coming to reconcile, even though they were hiding. Hmm. I like the thought, um, I agree. When you think about Jesus, the one that reconciles us to God, Jesus is, a, he's, he's part of the divinity, he's part of the Godhead. 
And for him to step out of that, to reconcile humanity with divinity is a huge thing. If we were to bring that down to human terms, um, let's say I, in my family, someone does something against somebody in my family. And, and there, you know, there needs to be a reconciliation that takes place. For me to be the one that makes the initiative to the offending party, when the offended is my blood relation, takes a lot, you know? Yeah. As opposed to it being just a random stranger, so to speak, who comes and mediates between these two parties. Here you've got the mediation or the reconciliation between someone that's like, that's part of the divinity, part of the broken, you know, the offended party goes out of his way, which is a lot much, a lot more than most of us are willing to do down here on earth. I think there's a culture of it even that's kind of celebrated, like the cancel culture. So you do something wrong and then that's it. You're canceled. Like I'll just cut you out of my life. There's, there's no, space for reconciliation for forgiveness like you've done me wrong and that's it like I need to move on so I can live my best life away from you and it just kind of is like in stark contrast to not only like someone who's been wrong and willing to forgive but actually like Adam just said to be able to to step out and go all the way to be the one that tries to make the effort when they've been the wronged person I think I just kind of found that an interesting contrast with what our society even encourages today like if you've been hurt, then you need to remove that person from your life. Mm. Whereas Christ did the exact opposite at his own expense. Mm. Mm. It's true. Like, I was going to say, I do think to be the person who steps out to offer um, reconciliation, whether you're the offender or the offended is really hard. I think to cancel people out sometimes is actually the easier option. It's not the mm -hmm. right option, but I think sometimes it's the easier option because of things like rejection. Like you can step out to try and reconcile with a person who wants nothing more to do with you. And I think that that can be really hard to take as well. I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do though. Mm. You're right. Sometimes it's easier just to, just to shut someone out than it is to, you know, try and make things right. Um, maybe moving on a little bit, what do you, and, and the two words in the reading, the title there was forgiveness and reconciliation. What does, let's unpack a little bit, what's the difference between the two? What's the difference in forgiveness and what's the difference with, between that and reconciliation? I think perhaps one of the, maybe jumping ahead a little bit, one of the verses that the lesson talks about is Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, where it talks about how we should forgive our debtors um this idea of being in debt to somebody is where you owe somebody money that you haven't given them and you could almost think of forgiveness as um cancelling that debt where you give something in place of what is old but it doesn't necessarily return you back to the relationship that you had before that debt was old that's what reconciliation would be about mending the relationship whereas forgiveness is more about removing that guilt or that owing that debt aspect hmm. okay so I feel like forgiveness, um, in forgiveness, what you've done is you've found the person guilty and you've decided I'm going to pardon them. So you haven't excused what they've done because you've realized that this thing's wrong. But in spite of the fact that it's wrong, you've decided that you're going to offer them pardon. I think that's what, in essence, forgiveness reconciliation then I guess it's the relationship aspects of the things I think as as, as Nyson was saying um, and I don't think the two are necessarily synonymous mm, yeah I agree I don't think they are mm. I think it's almost like two different stages yeah I was yeah. thinking personally of people that I've forgiven and I could then be civil with but not necessarily has there been a reconciliation I think there's also like a there's two parties involved Like I can forgive remotely like I can forgive you on Skype and we can not have to have a conversation and I can sleep having forgiven someone for what they've maybe done towards me but reconciliation for me implies like a conversation there's uh, a give and take of acknowledgement of hurt etc and then now the relationship is restored back to the place where it was before the event happened mm. okay 
These are, these are good. What I want to do now is kind of shift a little bit. We, we, we did an online poll today with the, with the same question, similar question, not the difference, so to speak, but the question that we did on Instagram was, is it possible to forgive and not reconcile? Okay, is it possible to forgive and not reconcile? And so of the answers that we got, 88%, 88% of people said that, yes, it is possible to forgive and not reconcile. And 12% said, no, it's not possible to forgive and not reconcile. And so then there were, we got, we got several responses. Um, I'll keep the, the handles and the names anonymous. <laughs> but these are some of the, res the responses that we got. So one of the responses said, forgiveness takes one, but reconciliation takes both parties. Okay. I think that's fair. Like, I can forgive you. Um, you can accept the forgiveness or yeah. maybe you don't accept the forgiveness. The reconciliation is, is both parties. Another answer that we got was... Um, Let me see this. Um, is it possible to forgive and not reconcile? The person says, yes, you can. Sometimes, and, and this is a, sometimes it's not safe to have the same person back in your life. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So like, let's say you forgive someone who's maybe done something terrible to, uh, against you. Mm. you. You forgive them because you forgive them and mm -hmm. you know, pray to God to give you forgiveness to the person, but maybe because the way that that person continues to act, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that your relationship is the same going forward as what it was prior to, you know. Mm. Some of the scenarios yeah. in the lesson talk about like abuse um, yeah. and being lied to, some of those things, or like against a vulnerable person or someone like a minor, mm. you have to think about that person, I guess. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah, same. And I think sometimes it's intentional and it's consistent where a person isn't remorseful and actually that's a part of their character. And I think in situations like that, it's wise to actually distance yourself where you can. Mm. Yeah, someone else said something similar. They said, you can forgive, but not restore the friendship to protect yourself from being hurt again. Mm. Uh, and it's, just, that... it's on so many... So, mm. for example... If if, if one of the deacons at church gets caught stealing the money, um, and this is happening, whatever, I'm not saying that's happening, but I'm just saying it could happen. So you have to be careful with live streams. Um, you know, you wouldn't put them collecting the money. You may forgive them as a church um, and it's people who've had their money stolen, but you wouldn't put them collecting the money, A, because that would just be being poor stewards. Two, yeah. You don't want to put the person in the way of temptation. Um, three, it just doesn't make any sense. So, so forgiveness and then someone being put back into the same position that they were prior to the act are not necessarily, it's not always wise to do that. Whatever that position is. Yeah, it's also interesting as well that it also, like for example, when it comes to human relations, you can have this forgiveness without the reconciliation. But it's interesting that when we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, especially verse 18, it talks about how God is there to reconcile us. Mm. So when God reconciles, you can't have reconciliation without the forgiveness. But what's interesting when somebody was saying, um, for us as human beings, um, forgiveness can be a one person um, thing, but then reconciliation, it takes two. But when it comes to us with God, Proverbs 28, I think verse 13, it talks about how if we do not, if we conceal our sins, we won't prosper. But if we confess them, we shall find mercy. So it's interesting that when it comes to our relationship with God, we have to be involved in both the forgiveness and the reconciliation. Mm. 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 So do we, are we called then to forgive always, but reconciliation isn't always required of the Christian? Well, maybe what, what are we defining by reconciliation? That's a shout. For, maybe this this a good idea. well I think for me I'm thinking about it when I'm at work I work as an accountant and one of the things that we have to do is we have to review things like bank reconciliations so a company might say that we've got a million dollars in our bank account 
but then you look at the bank statement and it doesn't have a million, maybe it's got 900,000. And so you have to ask, where's the 100,000 gone? Is it because the bank is missing it or is it because the company is missing it? So there's a difference there. And often what you find is that actually the difference is usually with the company because the banks are usually okay. But sometimes it can be both. Um, when it comes to God, it's obviously always us who's got the missing balance. But when it comes to us as human beings, sometimes reconciliation is actually a two-way thing because we might think that somebody has wronged us, but we mm. might also have wronged them in some part because there's always two sides mm. to every story. So it's about finding where the difference is and bridging that gap so that we can see eye to eye and move forward. So yes, reconcile? I think so. Or at least, at least well, I think what it means is that it depends where the gap is. If, because that's the thing, you can't have reconciliation without forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to reconciliation, it means that you have to go back to where you were before but then if you're the only person who is moving and the other person is not moving, then you can't have reconciliation, but you still have to be willing to move. So I, I think sometimes we say, oh, I can forgive, but I don't have to reconcile as an excuse. Mm. For us we talk quite a bit about, we're talking a fair bit about reconciliation, the context of, of human relationships here mainly, but is that different or how is that different from say reconciling us with God? Is there a, or how, what Jesus did for us? Is there a difference there or you get the question? I think I get the question. I think I'm, I'm going to say what I think. And then if not, you can just line it up. The question makes me slightly uncomfortable. I've had the quest discussion today already. And I think there's a standard here that's been set. And I feel like because that standard has been set and it seems really high, um, I personally know that I can perhaps make excuses for it. Like mm. Jesus made no excuses in terms of reconciling us. Um, to God, there was no, there's no excuse. But I think with reconciliation, sometimes it's the time frame that's needed. Um, but I think to reconcile at some point is a must. Mm. Not easy. No. I, I just got a message that came through just now that's saying um, someone wanted to make the point that God loves us so much that um, through the gift of Jesus, sacrifice. We, are, we actually end up through the gift of his sacrifice and the reconciliation that that brings, we end up being closer to God. Mm. After we've sinned, than if we never had sinned. Yeah, that's I think. true. Which that's true. adds an even deeper element to what, what the reconciliation that Jesus does is, that even though we've sinned and gone far from God, um, which is against God, because of his reconciliation, we're going to end up being closer than if we'd never even gone through the process of sin. Mm. Let me think of the, um, the text in Ephesians 4, verse 12, that says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And that just as uh, makes me nervous because I don't forgive people just as Christ has forgiven me. Like that, that thoroughness of the forgiveness that Christ avails to us through his mm -hmm. sacrifice, that like no clauses, no like small print, um, no terms and conditions kind of forgiveness that, that Christ makes available to us. My forgiveness often comes with kind of strings attached that perhaps isn't as Christ-like. Um, I like Nyson's point where he said that it's kind of that willingness to go all the way, even if that isn't made available the opportunities that made available or maybe even like trauma prevents you from being being put back in that situation like you know there, there could be triggers like if you were abused or something happened being put back in that situation maybe would be a really bad thing but the willingness to be able to reconcile or to want to I guess is what we're called to mm. Mm. and maybe as well it's, it's probably worth clarifying as well that when it comes to reconciliation with God the difference is that it's always about bridging the gap, but God never moves because he's already perfect. Whereas sometimes mm. our human relationships, they might not necessarily have been right in the first place. So when it comes to reconciliation, it doesn't necessarily always mean that we have to go back to put ourselves in exactly the same position as before. Like for example, if somebody has been abused because you've obviously kind of let somebody have too much access maybe. So reconciliation can be even in a new form where maybe you have new boundaries that didn't exist before 
but you're mm. still agreeing on those new terms, it still counts as reconciliation, I think, because you can't always go back to how things were. That's a very good point. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going through it in my mind, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through the deacon that's been stealing. <laughs> I hope this is hypothetical, Sam. I know it is. <laughs> this is this this is not this is this, i'm just going through the deacon that's been stealing he's been found stealing we love him brother x um i think it would be unfair for the church to put brother x back in the position where he's now tempted to steal though we love him so i feel like if reconciliation is restoration to what was beforehand then i'm not sure that that's the case I'm not sure that's that's I'm not sure that that's what we need to do with Brother X. I feel like with Brother X, um, reconciliation is helping him in his journey towards Christ and not I don't know where I'm going with this, but not putting temptation in his way, if that makes sense. And how we can collect the offering. Um pardon? we redefine our relationship with Brother X in a way that's so, more suited to his circumstances and temperature. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes after forgiveness, the, the relationship may need redefining. And actually that's what happened with Christ. Um, Christ is closer to us now than beforehand, like you were saying, Pastor. So the relationship's almost, I don't want to use the word redefined, but we're closer now. Mm. And maybe that could be the case after forgiveness, but it could be the case after forgiveness that you're not as close, but I wouldn't necessarily say you haven't fulfilled your biblical duty in reconciliation. Mm. True. Um, if you're not as close, because maybe you shouldn't have been as close. Can I switch the questions here a little bit? And I, I think I've heard the answers to it, but of forgiveness and reconciliation, which one would you say is easier? Or, is it, or they're both as difficult as each other, or do you find one's easier, one's harder? I feel like Nisa made the point that maybe it's like a two-phased kind of thing. So at first I forgive, and then in the journey of forgiveness, reconciliation can come. So like if someone, the examples given in the um, study had all kinds of scenarios where um, maybe someone borrows something of you without asking and damages it. Like I can be, in the moment, I can be like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But maybe in my heart, there's still a little bit of, I'm, I'm not, I'm against them. So later on, I can get to a place where we can talk about like maybe how that made me feel and we can reconcile. So I feel like reconciliation for me has to come after forgiveness and maybe because it's a bit harder because you have to get a bit deeper into things. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with Mel. I think reconciliation for me is harder because it, it requires some sort of honesty, humility, vulnerability, and it's no longer just me and God. It now involves telling another person how I feel or whatever it might be. And I, I find that quite difficult. I think, yeah, it can be hard. Hmm. What I think... So we'll, we'll, 2 Corinthians, what was it? 5, 17 and 18. There we mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. and, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm, that last sentence, that well, last part of the sentence. The ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what I'm caught on. Um, I feel like ministry is not easy. Whatever, whatever you're doing, if you're involved in ministry, it's not a walk in the park. Um, and I feel like God puts us in ministry, particularly this one, um, because he's trying to, he's trying to work on our characters. Um, you know, if we, if we hate our brother down here, can we say that we love God in heaven? And that's a stark reality that I think sometimes, you know, if I'm actively beefing with people down here, 
I just don't think that's God's given us a ministry of reconciliation. And I think I'm trying to trying to get my words out properly. I feel like definitely as Christians, we should seek to live peaceably with people and seek to be trying to reconcile differences where possible. And whatever reconciliation means for you guys in your context, I feel like that's definitely something as Christians you should be going out of your way to do. And that may take self-sacrifice and it's not necessarily always easy. <clears throat> and sometimes you've got to take the L. But Sam, oftentimes it's not outright beef, as you said. Sometimes yeah. it's just that quiet, cool coldness that you get mm. when we're just going to keep it like less than civil, that little side eye on a Sabbath morning. Um, that's normally how it goes. Like We're not here for the fight. We're just here mm. to be like once bitten, twice shy. Like mm. I can forgive, but never forget. It's more like that. So how, what does that look like? Is that reconciliation to you? Like, um, because we're not outright beefing, I can still get to heaven because I just kind of put them to the side and avoid them. Is that then cool? Good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I feel like we're Jesus friendly with everybody. I, I feel was, like my, if people my, my wanted point. to be friends with Jesus, he would have been friends with them. But I feel like the relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus, Mary and Martha was different to the relationship that he had with the Pharisees. Not because he wanted it to be different, but because that's how the Pharisees carried on. Mm -hmm. I guess what my point was just saying that sometimes we look for the lack of forgiveness or the lack of reconciliation in our lives to look like outright drama, like outright oh. conflict. When oftentimes okay. as Christians, there's enough Holy Spirit in us to kind of keep it low key and just, just kind of at a distance. Sam, I just want to bring up a point that that's been that's been raised in the comment section because you, you, you like your deacon, the, the hypothetical <laughs> deacon, right? And uh, one of the comments on the, in 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 the um, one of the comments that's come up is that uh, you know when God forgives us, it's a it's a fresh start, it's a clean start. And God, mm. and when God forgives us, it's not like He's like, yeah, you know, I, I gave you these responsibilities before, but that, you messed up there, so I can't give that to you again. I'm, you know, God lets us try again, and He lets us try again, and He lets us try again. Mm. So mm. If, if God does that with us, and if ministry is a ministry of reconciliation, I'm kind of embellishing maybe the point that was written here, but basically the point that was written by by Leon Fuller basically said it's a clean start. Why can't that be the same with the deacon? Okay. There, there, there is one thing. So, for example, sometimes, like what Sam was saying, it, it's about one thing about reconciliation is it also involved a certain level of wisdom because forgiveness is just all internal, me acknowledging that I've been hurt and will, being willing to accept that I've been hurt, but also let that go. But reconciliation, like I said, sometimes you have to redefine the relationship. I'm thinking, or maybe at least put boundaries in place. I'm thinking of David when David. Had, you know, he was king, but he made a lot of mistakes in his life. But towards the end of his realm, he had this deep desire that he wanted to build a sanctuary for God. And then God told him that he mm. couldn't do it because he had blood on his hands. So Solomon had to build the temple. He couldn't do it. But David is a man who was forgiven. And he talks about the blessing of being forgiven and knowing that your sins are covered. But in God's response, Solomon had to build the temple and not David. So sometimes when God forgives us, he still also does redefine what, you know, he puts boundaries that didn't exist before. And it's the same with the, with the deacon. Sometimes if you know that this temptation might still be there, you've forgiven him and you want to help him to become more honest. But until you get to that point, it's neither wise nor fair to keep putting him in that position. So it takes wisdom as well to know what the relationship should look like even after you've reconciled. There's another comment that came in saying that the reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5 is different to the reconciliation that we're kind of talking about here. Um, and it may not apply the same. Maybe. Uh... Break it down, Troy. <laughs> I, I, I think ultimately the word reconciliation means there is a gap between two parties and you're trying to bring them together again. The difference with us and God is that God is always right. So when there's ever a need for reconciliation arises, it's because we have messed up. Whereas with human parties, sometimes messes, someone messes up against us, but we also still need to make changes, even though we are the victim. 
So the reconciliation may be different in that sense because it's still a two-way process in that we also have to make adjustments. But ultimately, I think reconciliation is reconciliation. It's about going back to that agreement. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's cases where people are given other chances and there's cases where people are forgiven, but they're, they're not given another chance. For example, mm. Moses, he struck the rock when he should have spoken to it and he was forgiven. He ended up in heaven, but he didn't get to Canaan. So I feel like, I'm not sure what I feel like, but that's just another point that I'm adding into the thing. Um, to say, is it, that, is it that there are consequences? Is that what you're pointing? Maybe. Um, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. I um, think Adam and Eve would be a good example. They were forgiven, but they still had to leave the Garden of Eden because they could not touch and mm. eat from the tree of life and live forever because they were still sinners, even though they'd been forgiven. Mm. That's a good one for the deacon. Mm. The deacon might the have de to be taken away <laughs> from the tree of money if he had control his hands. Can I just maybe pivot here and, and bring up the, a story in the context of what we're talking about here, forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, the story yeah. in the Bible of the prodigal son. Mm. And what forgiveness and reconciliation look like in that story. But in that story, you know, for those that don't know, but most people would know, you've got two sons and... One of them leaves home, takes half of, his, half of his inheritance, messes up, finally wants to come back. And he does come back eventually, and his father accepts him. At what point was the son forgiven? At what point was he reconciled? And what did the reconciliation for the son look like? Did, did the father not trust him again? Was, did he give him different responsibilities in the context of what we've been talking about here? Was he restored completely? What did forgiveness and reconciliation look like in the story of the, of the prodigal son, which is given to us as an example, a human example of what God does for us? That's a good question. When was the son forgiven in the story? That's a good, that's a good question. He was forgiven before he came back, right? Because as soon as he came back, his father was ready to embrace him mm. or he even finished his apology. Mm. So it wasn't about what transpired on the day that he came back. It was about what was already in the heart of the father, that he mm. wanted his son to come back, I think, from the story. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I think that's the same, too, that the father yeah, had, a, the he had an attitude of forgiveness. He, wanted, he, he had forgiven the son in it, you know, already, but he hadn't you know, physically had the opportunity to meet him face to face and forgive him. Um, until he came there. Once he came there, that was just, a, in a sense, a formality was, you know, I forgive you and when he, et cetera. Then reconciliation. What, what, what? I mean, like in Luke 15, I'm just looking at it now. What's interesting is the little conversation that he had in his head about what he's going to say to his dad. And then what he gets to say, or what, no, so the conversation about what he's planning to say and what the that actually lets him say. So like Luke 15, um, reading from verse 18, I will arise and go to my father. Mm -hmm. And will say unto him, Father, I have against heaven and before son, sorry, and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So those are the two things he's looking to say. I sinned against you, you call thy son. Make me as one of thy high. Gets to verse 21. This is where the son is now speaking to the dad and he's got planned in, what, in his head what he's looking to say. And it says, and the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no more worthy to by call thy son. And the father cuts him up. He's getting ready to say, make me as one of thy high servants but the mm. dad cuts him up was able to say that um so i think that's a point with regards to how god treats us when we're coming back and you're feeling unworthy um but how god still looks at you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's hard because if this is about um human relationships not just about um, how god treats us then 
it's kind of two things that I picked up on the posture of the father so the first one was that while he was still a long way off so he was kind of already like he said before ready and waiting to receive him whenever he was going to come back if should he come back but he was already ready to receive him and then also um the fact that you mentioned that just as Christ does this father improves perhaps the relationship that the son had before so now he gets to have the best robe to be put on him um, when he comes back and maybe that's what we're called to do um, in our forgiveness it's a high calling a standard that I think the Holy Spirit might have a lot of work to do on each of us to get there but when we forgive to actually bring somebody fully back in not just kind of at arm's length which may be our temptation um, and I think as well what's interesting is that when it comes to the whole reconciliation and restoration it's important that we shouldn't hold any grudges so for example when we're talking about individual relationships or people in responsibility it shouldn't be that we won't give you the same responsibility because of what you've done before so for example with Adam and Eve the reason why they were taken out of the Garden of Eden was not because they'd eaten from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil it was because it was no longer appropriate for them to have access to the tree of life that was the reason why the relationship changed it wasn't just an arbitrary of I'm still hurting by the fact that you disobeyed me it was just that in that situation it was no longer appropriate and i think it's the same thing with you know brother x uh, i guess maybe sometimes it might no longer be appropriate for them to go back in that same position but where it is appropriate it shouldn't just be because you've done x therefore you must suffer consequences like consequences should not be arbitrary they should be necessary mm. there's a comment that's come in uh, maybe we can uh it says like from monica i often think that when we demand forgiveness as human beings we cut we come demanding. Uh, we often demand restoration when we should be humble enough to understand that the nature of the relationship may have changed. Thoughts? I think it depends so, how, sorry, go ahead. Says we, we, we come demanding restoration when we should be humble enough to understand that maybe the exact nature of the relationship might have changed, um, but we should just be humble and, and, and accept, you know, as human beings that it may not always be the same things may be different and yeah I also had this conversation earlier with um, the family and we were talking about the idea that maybe some of the challenges that we have in reconciling is that we're looking at now this person as for example if you've stolen from me you're now a thief so I'm reconciling with the thief rather than a person who has stolen mm. so when we separate the relationship from the sin or the thing that's that's wrong then it may be easier for us then to reconcile to a person rather than to a person that we've labeled as a thief or a liar or an adulterer etc hmm. i think it's clear based on our wrestling with this that forgiveness is is something we all struggle with and we and we come to the bible with the concept of forgiveness tainted by our human understanding of that and 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 reconciliation again is not is not easy we 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 view it through our through our human eyes and and it's neither of them is easy reconciliation and forgiveness um just bouncing off the point as mentioned that the the son came to his father as sam mentioned with absolute humility this is a point that just came in with absolute humility ex ready to accept whatever but the father was like, no, 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 no. He, he didn't give him what he, what he was going to come asking for, but he came with humility, um, not expecting the world. He came expecting something low, but, but the, the reconciliation his father gave him was a lot more than what he was asking for. I think it's also interesting in the... Just, I'm just... Oh, go on, Sam. Go on. Um, I was just thinking, like... God really takes this thing quite serious, you know. So, you know, he says, if you come to the altar or you come to, you can bring your gift and then you know that you've got problems with, with a person, leave your gift, go and sort your stuff out and then come back. Mm. Um, so God takes reconciliation, forgiveness, um, unity amongst the people of God and just people very seriously. And um, I'm just thinking about Matthew 18. You know, you, you know, you, you, 
your friends doing your wrong or you've got problems or what have you, come and speak to them. Mm. But sometimes it's easier to cut someone off than to go and speak to them. And um, or move churches. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Say it over. Um, so I think in the in the context of the story, this this Luke fifteen situation. I guess the son realized he's wrong and realized that, as you were saying, he came with the humility. Oftentimes, I've seen, I've seen it, where someone's come to say sorry, but it's a sorry, not sorry. Mm. Um, even if someone comes with a sorry, not sorry, I still think on the other person, there's still an honest to forgive. Not based on their sorry, not sorry, but just based on your honest to forgive if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I feel like the father was looking to forgive the son anyway. Mm. I mean, the truth of... Mm. I was just thinking as well, within the context of the story of the prodigal son, there are two things that happened before. It wasn't just the fact that the son went away. It was also the fact that he asked for his inheritance before the father died. And then mm. he spent all of his money on riotous living, and then he ends up in the pigsty but when he decides to come back home. So he corrected one of the two mistakes. But what's interesting is that towards the end of the parable, especially in chapter 15, verse 31, when the father is talking to the other brother who was now angry because he had received the younger brother, the father says to him in verse 31, that everything that I have is yours, speaking to the brother who stayed at home. What's interesting is that even though the prodigal son had spent his money he didn't get a second inheritance because he already belonged to the other son. So he had to deal with the consequences of the fact that the money that he had spent was already gone. So although he was restored as a son again, he didn't then get to have the same money that he had before he had left. So there were still consequences in that case as well, even though he was fully accepted back home. As you mentioned the, um, the, old, the brother, I think as well, it has a lesson in it for us about how we may be as observers of uh, people who may have risked in their own relationships are called to act. So it's a, it's a contrast, not a comparison, but for us not to be like that brother, for us not to kind of be like, but remember his past sins, like remember what he's done. I've, I've been here kind of thing, um, being faithful. I've never done that, but actually to be ambassadors for reconciliation um, as the text in Second Corinthians mentioned. Well, how do you think the difference is between the in the, in the parable with the prodigal son and the and the other son? Um, obviously, the father has has you know a, a understanding of forgiveness and reconciliation that is, is mirrors God, but and, and we don't really have it, so we're kind of reading into the text per se. But what would you say the other son's understanding, or does it? Do we have any inklings as to what his understanding of reconciliation is, or or forgiveness? Um, and is that why he doesn't go back into the feast because he has a different understanding of that than his father? I mean, maybe we're just kind of stretching a little bit there, but because we don't. Really have... Verse twenty-eight says he's angry. I would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. And he yeah. answering his father, low. So I think it's, I guess what Melissa was saying, when you're an observer of someone else's stuff, um, do you let people, do you hold that over them, even though, you, even though you've never spoken to them? Are there people that you hold stuff over, even though you've never spoken to them, and you don't even know them? You just know some of the stuff that they've done. And you're holding this stuff over them in their head, so that they're, they're, they can't go, like, there's no room for them to grow in Christ. You don't know them, but in their mind, they're this particular label. And I guess in the son's mind, or the, other, the second brother's mind, the other brother's mind, the prodigal son, had a label, but he didn't know, he didn't know where the prodigal son was at now. Mm. Probably part of it was um, not judging people. Mm. Because you just don't know, okay, so someone's at point X today, but you don't know, you don't know mm -hmm. where they're at today, you don't know their heart today, 
You don't know where they're at today. And um, I guess that's from the unity as what you were saying earlier on, Melissa, about labeling people. And then you have to be careful with the labels you give people because sometimes labels stick for 21 years. Mm. And the names will have been certain posts or what have you, but didn't he do such and such? Mm. Mm. I think um, I just want to recognize what, what, what some of the comments that have come in. Um, and we're going to have to wrap this up relatively soon. I think my understanding or my interpretation would be that in life, there, there are kind of rules and then sometimes there's slight uh, exception or, or maybe in certain circumstances, the rule doesn't apply. And the rule is probably not the best word, but there may be exceptions to it in a, in a given scenario. And I think we, what we're talking about for the vast majority of cases, I think that, you know, what you mentioned, Sam, that when you, you, you take your, your, the text where it says, leave the altar and go and deal with your issues with your brother. In the vast majority of cases, that is true, that we, and we need to do more of that in church. And a lot of our issues, I think, within the Christian community or within the context of the Adventist community are because people uh, don't go and make restitution with their brother or their sister who's, who's done them wrong or they've done wrong too. And we need to have a lot more of that happening uh, in church generally. But I think maybe the one, two, one caveat would be people who come from abuse situations and we may not have time to unpack that right now, but I think th as we go on some of our subjects throughout this week, we'll be looking at human reconciliation. We're looking at what uh, deeper what that looks like. I think we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit more, but I just want to say if someone's watching right now and they may have been in a situation where they're abused, that I, I think that's one situation where you don't put yourself in a vulnerable position and we need to kind of maybe unpack that more in a future um, study, a future in, what in probably one of the discussions this week anyone else want to say anything more on that or on that specific point yeah or just kind of round that up otherwise i just i just kind of wanted to say that to say that there's something we're going to unpack a little bit more and mm -hmm. uh you know yeah, yeah i think i think license when he said um talk about reconciliation and he said the reconciliation might be a redefining of boundaries. So the initial relationship might have been wrong anyway. So you can't go back to something that was wrong after you've forgiven. So if what was, if the thing that you was in was wrong anyway, now that you've forgiven them, you've got to go back. You've got to go to something that's right. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. In, in terms, in God's sight. Yeah. Or you may not have been in a wrong situation, but you may have been taken advantage of. Um, so it would never be a position to put, to put, no one would ask you to put yourself back in that situation. You may have been a child, you may have, you know, there's all kinds of different abuse scenarios we can think of. Um, but yeah, I'd agree with the general point. By the way, um, we love you. We love deacons, particularly deacons. <laughs> and uh, and uh, trust that we'll see him and forgive him and reconcile with him as quickly as possible. Amen. Yeah. I was just thinking of one slightly different point as well. From the perspective, going back to the uh, the brother of the prodigal son, um, mm. it strikes me that he says to his father, I have been with you all these years. I've been working hard and I've never disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me. But this guy, you know, he's gone and he's made mistakes and you've accepted him. I think we were talking about, you know, what does reconciliation look like for him? I think it's also a reflection of what he, it's a reflection of how he saw his relationship with his father. Mm. In the sense that he thought he deserved all of those things because of how well behaved he has been. And you almost get the sense that if he had been the one who had gone away, he might not have had the courage to come back because he would be in a position now where he thinks, I don't have anything to recommend myself to my father to have this money or this love. And I think it's important because sometimes when we make mistakes and we sin against God, we think that God loves us because of what we do for him. And so when we sin, we feel like we can't go back because we have nothing to offer him. But it's always important to remember that God says that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. That it's not about what we can give God, but what he's willing to give us to make us better. Okay. All right, guys. I think I've enjoyed discussing this with you. There's a whole lot more we've got to unpack this week. 
And I think it's a topic that is very pertinent and relevant um, to those of all ages in church, especially, you know, young people, um, uh, youth and young adults. We, it's, 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 a, it's a very important topic for us to uh, chew on and to get right and to, you know, we're, we're wrong, we wrong others. How do we deal with that in an interpersonal way in our churches, in our communities, in our families? And how, what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. uh, and how do we live Christ in the context of forgiveness and reconciliation? So appreciate all the points, all the discussion. Thanks for all the comments that have come in for people that have written. Sorry, we haven't been able to um, comment on all the comments, but uh, we'll, we'll do as best as we can in the uh in the days that are coming up so tomorrow we'll most likely be here on facebook we'll try youtube again but if we we had several problems as i mentioned at the very beginning for those that were here and tried several times but it didn't quite work (laughs) we're glad that we did get out on this technology but before we go i think it would be important to have a a few um a short time of prayer um on this topic so i'm thinking maybe let's have one prayer that deals with uh, the topic of what we've discussed if someone could volunteer for that and then i'm just gonna say another have another person that would pray for um pray for different acts of i think crisis we're in at the minutes um the world so to speak with the corona crisis so if someone could pray for uh, the topic that we talked about and then someone if they could pray for the aspect of uh you know let's pray for our students a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are uh probably would have been hoping to take exams this year whether it's gcse's or a levels or university exams and there's a whole lot of things on hold at the minute a whole lot of uncertainty up in the year so if someone could uplift um people in that situation in prayer tonight as well that would be good so i'll just put it out there if one of you take the first one of you take the second and i'll say say a short one to wrap it up great father, come for you this evening so much for your love kindness and mercy towards us in that whilst we were sinners you sent your son down to die for us um Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your forgiveness. And we want to thank you for taking the time out to reconcile us to yourself, even when we were actively actively working against you. And Heavenly Father, um, you've given us this ministry of reconciliation. Help us to take it up with our whole hearts and to forgive others and to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through your power and to engage in this ministry of reconciliation and to be the people you've called us to be. And please may um, you help us to live and to experience the love that Jesus Christ has, even in this time of um, what would be called separation where people are in their various homes. I'm praying dear Heavenly Father that you'll find Help us to find ways where we can reach out to people and be reconciled to those who we need to reconcile with. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that we've been able to come together to pray and to study your word and to realize more of your love for us as your children, but also for your power, um, that you're controlling all the different events that happen in the course of history and also even now in the present. Um, Lord, you know the situation that we're currently facing around the world with, um, due to COVID-19 and the different impact that it is having, not only through the loss of health and the loss of life, but also the loss of opportunities and the different um, circumstances that have changed, particularly for people who have um, jobs where they're self-employed or contracting, but also for students who were due to be sitting exams um, across the country in A-levels and college and GCSEs and also even universities which are closing and Lord you know the disappointment that will be there for some of these people who had worked really really hard and were hoping to make a big difference to their circumstances I just pray for clarity for them that they can be able to know what this situation means for them what options they have 
And I just pray, Lord, that you might give um, soundness of mind to them as well, that they can be able to make the most of the opportunity that will be given to them to demonstrate their abilities and the work that they've put into place as well. Father, I want to pray this moment for our leaders in this country who are dealing with this crisis, um, their advisors who are advising the government, as well as the people who are making the decisions as ministers. I just pray, Lord, that you may give wisdom that um, no unnecessary loss of life may be sustained and that they might be able to come up with a strategy that will be able to um, allow your work to go on in England um, and that we can be able to resume to normal lives again as soon as possible. While we're in this crisis, Lord, as church members, as individuals, help us to find ways to still work for you, Lord, and to stay connected and to spread the gospel to all the world through the technology that you have given to us. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray you bless each one of us. And as your Holy Spirit has impressed upon us tonight, those that we need to forgive and mm. those whose forgiveness we need to accept. Lord, may we have the humility of the, the prodigal son when he came back to his father. May we truly have um, a spirit of humility as we come to you, asking you for, for forgiveness and as we forgive us as well. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I would encourage you to read tonight Luke 15, which is the, the three lost things, the lost coin, the lost um, sheep, and the lost son. Read Luke chapter 15. Go through the parable of the prodigal son, which is the third one. And Christ Object Lessons, if you have that book, you can find it online. If you don't, Christ Object Lessons by Ellen White, chapter number 16. Christ Object Lessons, chapter number 16, goes through the parable of the prodigal, prodigal son. So maybe read Luke 15 in, in conjunction with Christ Object Lessons, chapter 16. And I pray that's a blessing for you spiritually. And we're going to have a special guest with us tomorrow. We'll have Pastor Derek Simon who will be joining us as well. Okay, everybody. Good night. Night. Good 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 night. Bye. 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 Bye.